Hello, this is the Talk to Defeat ALS podcast with the ALS Association, Greater Philadelphia Chapter. I'm your host, the Director of uh, Communications and Public Policy, Tony Heil. And uh, this is part two of our clinical conference podcast. A number of our uh, care services team went down to uh, Fort Worth, or is it Dallas, Texas? Fort Worth. I gotta get it right. My, my aunt lives down there, and my uncle too, um, of course. And uh, they're, they went to learn from a lot of different presenters across the country about different aspects of ALS care and research, and how to be the best clinical team possible, though we already have that, of course, and keep getting better. Uh, and so for this part two, uh, we're going to be talking with Ann Cooney and uh, Melissa Call here at the chapter, and uh, they're going to be talking about what they presented and learned at the conference. Uh, you can find part one on our podcast on iTunes or on uh, podbean.com and on our website, alsphiladelphia.org. That's also where you can go to donate or find out how to volunteer. And of course, follow us on social media, all at ALS Philadelphia. That's on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, everything there. So, Melissa and, and Melissa and Ann, you guys have been working at the chapter both for a number of years. Yes. And you've been social workers even longer than that, right? Mm-hmm, yes. Good. Do you want us to tell our age? You we don't, don't have really to say age. We don't to do that, right? That's never something I've asked in any of these podcasts. Thank you. I was we just appreciate gonna, that. Um, I've been 10 years with the chapter. Oh. And I've been six. So, that was Melissa and Ann. They didn't say who was who, but now you know. Sorry. That's okay. And Ann is fighting a cold, so she may talk less, um, but she'll brave through it as much as she can. Yes. So, um... You guys, what what did you present um, at the conference this year? So we presented on caregiving, and our title for the conference was Caregiving is Not for Wimps, the Social Work Role in Supporting Caregiver Burnout. So it was just a presentation that really focused on, initially the first part of the presentation, we just talked about what is who is a caregiver, um, what are some of the signs of caregiver stress, how you, can you prevent caregiver stress, what is caregiver burnout, what are some things that you can do to help yourself not go down that path of becoming so stressed out and burned out. Uh, and then we, Melissa can talk more about the other part of the presentation. Um, which it, was um, really then looking at the role of the social worker and how we can support and empower our caregivers um, to help prevent and manage and deal with the stress and burnout that's involved in care, caring for a loved one with ALS. Um, and we we talked about all the different programs that our chapter offers and and chapters throughout the nation, you know, it was really applicable, even though each chapter runs individually, um, they all have similar programs to help support caregivers. And when you, you created this, um, presentation because you saw a need, this was something you thought really needed to be addressed, right? It's something we talk about on a daily basis with our families. Is it something that's talked about enough on a professional level, like at a conference like this, do you think it's something that just needed more attention because we talk about other things so much? I think so because, um, I mean, I, I think from a patient perspective, we see the toll caregiving takes on patients' family members. And when they come to clinic from, you know, quarterly, you, you, many times you can really see the change in their family members who are, who are the primary caregivers. And they're so busy caring for their loved one that they're not paying attention to their own needs. But another thing I think, we need to pay more attention to, and it was brought up at the conference, was how do we as clinicians take care of ourselves? Mm-hmm. Right. Because we're in the role of, you know, looking out for our patients and families and and supporting them and making sure they're taking good care of themselves, but we need to pay more attention to that as well because being a, I mean, in my 
in my shoes, being a social worker for the ALS Association and getting to know so many families and, and losing so many people along the way, it does take a toll on you as well. Mm -hmm. And it's very important to be aware of that and have resources and support for yourself and for your coworkers to cope with a lot of the losses that we have. Yeah, we were just talking about that on the part one of this conference uh, podcast is, you know, that this is very hard for everyone here at the chapter, I think. My experience, it's it's a personal thing to work on, whether you're on the front line of care like you guys, or even if you're working in my role, though I do work with a lot of people with ALS, or even if you work um, processing the donations or mm -hmm. in HR here, everyone goes to the events, everyone meets people. That um, we've had board members of ALS or people who are in the office a lot, and so it's not even just if someone passes away, but often just knowing if they're not having a good day. Like you, right. everyone here takes it very seriously and personally, and. I'm sure that you brought that up in your thing. So, um, so. Yeah, I was going to say, and a lot of the strategies that we talked about in coping with this stress and burnout are definitely, definitely applicable, not just as a caregiver for a loved one with ALS, but even for professionals or just for your own personal um, use as being, you know, for me as a mother running mm -hmm. a household and, and every other role I have in my life there, um, you know, we talked about mindfulness and meditation and there's simple apps that you can access. Um, like what? So what, what, what were so, some of the things that you, that you brought up and presented to talk about? So as far as mindfulness, some of the apps that we talked about, one is called calm. One is 10% happier. There's actually a handout that's on, our website on alsphiladelphia.org. If you go to Navigating ALS, you'll find the handout with um, apps that are very helpful. And even if you go in your app store and search, if you put in mindfulness, meditation, some of the other things we picked up from some of the workshops that we attended at the conference, um, people talked about even if you put in positivity, there's apps that will send you a daily positive quote or you know kind of daily reminder about positivity just to take you know I think sometimes when people think of mindfulness and meditation they think they have to take you know a chunk of time 45 minutes out of your day and who has time to sit and you know do all that where these apps really allow you to just slow yourself down for even a minute or two um some of there's there's timer apps that and um, the apps have like a two or three minute guided meditation to just kind of slow your brain down and be in the moment. Have you been recommending these to people before this and saying, yes, look those up? Yeah. And we found, I actually had one caregiver. Um, she had really been struggling with sleep, sleeping for herself for quite a while. And she tried the calm app and she would use it at night. And she said within a few days, she was falling asleep within minutes and like comatose. Like it, it totally worked. So they're really worthwhile to try. You know, there's a lot of different ones out there. So see what one fits you. But there's several. You'll see when you try them, it's kind of like mindfulness for dummies. Like you don't need to take a full, you know, I mean, certainly if it's something you want to do, you could take a whole course, but you don't need to do that. There's a lot of things available right online. And so, there's a lot of free things available yeah. online. It's not where you're, you know, having to pay for these apps. There's an awful lot out there that you can access at no cost to you. So two things, because every time we talk about this kind of stuff, I've, I always feel like I'm learning mid-sentence from what you're saying. 
Um, but one, do you find that lack of sleep is a big part of why you're talking about this? Yes. yes. And, and so some of these apps and things, you're yes. talking about how people can get their rest. I mean, just as a parent, I don't get enough sleep all the right. time. So for right. this is a much bigger problem. And a lot of times people say it's they have trouble falling asleep mm -hmm. and really kind of slowing your brain down. Your mm -hmm. mind starts running or a million things go through your head. Or if they wake up in the middle of the night and then can't fall back to sleep. And right. some of these mindfulness practices, the slower breathing and things like that can really help to kind of shut your brain down and allow you to get that sleep that's so needed. It is, because I think when you're caregiving, many times you are up and down throughout the night helping you yeah. know, the person with ALS, whether you know they need to go to the bathroom or there's something that they need. So trying to train or calm yourself down again to fall back asleep has got to be so challenging. So these mm -hmm. apps are really helpful. And I, I often think, as because I have two very young kids, I think about how it is for me. If my kid wakes up, I can just tell them go back to bed or it's a they're they're small in comparison uh -huh. when you're getting up with a person with ALS if it's a spouse especially that's a lot more work and a lot more stress on you to to decompress afterwards right. and figure yeah. out when you're going to get that rest back right right absolutely and so and you you do you both um hold, host um care groups I do a, a monthly support group support groups, for I'm the sorry. chapter right. and it's it's a combined group of pals and their family members but every third month, we split the group, and caregivers meet with a social worker, and the pals meet with me. And, and we did and pals this. meaning people with ALS. People with ALS. Um, we did this because for a long time, they did have a, an individual caregiving group that met every month, but it was so hard to um, get enough people to attend the group each month because they didn't want to leave their loved one at home because mm -hmm. maybe they didn't have somebody who could be there with them while they came to the group. So a couple of years ago, we came up with the idea of splitting the group at quarterly, and it, it has worked because they were already planning on coming to group together as a unit, and so every third month, they come. we split them into two groups, and both the family members and caregivers love it, but also the uh, people with ALS love it too because they are very much concerned about their family members who are caring for them. They worry... I think a lot of the typical trends that we talk about in the group is they're worried about them. They feel that they're becoming a burden to them. They don't want to exhaust them. There's a lot of guilt associated with, you know, everything that they're saying. I mean, a lot of gratitude, too, for all that they're doing for them, but they they feel awful about the fact that their lives have really kind of focused now on taking care of them. So right. giving them that opportunity to be with others and talk about things and decompress has really been very welcomed. That That's great. I mean, and, and the way you describe those groups is basically how our chapter was founded. Like mm -hmm. the beginning of our chapter, um, you know, after a couple of years, our chapter founder was Felice Wiener. Um, within a couple of years, Ben Orenstein and his wife Dottie were hosting those same kind of groups. We split it between caregivers and people with ALS. And obviously, it was a it was a smart, successful idea. If we're doing that forty years later, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm sure you you guys have both been improving those resource groups and with little things, including these apps. Do you bring them up? Yeah. In those we discussions? have talked about them in in um, group, and some people are already using them. Mm -hmm. 
I, I kind of they make feel their like own recommendation, the, recommendations like, oh, Steve, you should use this. Oh, oh yeah, or yeah. Should it's a lot of just exchange between members of the group. Mm -hmm. Well, I tried this and I've used that one and they and they get the information and then they go home and they try it. I feel like the national trend is also mindfulness and right. meditation and, and we're hearing so much more and more about these um, strategies and apps and so forth. So it's already out there in like mm -hmm. mainstream America, but... It really is very applicable to what we're doing here, you know, with the ALS Association and our families. Now, one of the things that Elisa Brownlee and I talked about in another podcast, and I'm sure you guys have brought up too, is that um, with social media, um, there's good and bad things out there. Mm -hmm. You know that you've seen a lot of bad advice. Mm -hmm. So is one of your jobs as a social worker, on top of everything else, kind of parsing the good and bad maybe through these groups? For like what and, apps are worthwhile. And a lot of times, especially related directly to ALS, I always recommend, you know, that people start with our website with uh -huh. ALSPhiladelphia.org. Go to the national website, ALSA.org, where we know there's valid information there. It also offshoots you to other valid resources as a, as opposed to just kind of surfing the net and getting a lot of misinformation yeah, out I always, there. I, a lot of this discussion also happens at maybe the beginning of their journey with ALS, maybe a diagnosis, maybe mm -hmm. at the first clinic visit, where they will share that, you know, they went on the internet and they went on to all type, you know, the, the dark web and, and read all these scary and terrible things about ALS. And we really try to redirect them back to let's stick with, with what we know is is correct and it's going to give you good information and good tools like our website, the national website, and so forth. Um, but, yeah, it, it, we certainly talk about it in group as well. And even at our clinical conference, so we're with clinicians from through, throughout the United States. And in talking with some other people, I had mentioned our website and our navigating ALS tool that is on our website that is fabulous and and they were writing that information down to share with their families and caregivers because it's such a useful and user-friendly tool. Great. So you went to, and I know we're in a process of updating our website, which we're always in the process of. We should always be. Um, but when you presented your information, did you then learn from other chapters, like, oh, here's some other things we could do to help with caregivers? Oh, absolutely. Sure. Caregiving? Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, all the chapters, what... I learned from this conference was everybody has a little bit of a different approach in how they do things from, you know, support for their uh, people with ALS and family members just to the way the chapter is broken down, the way responsibilities are, mm -hmm. are distributed throughout the chapter staff. So it was really, you know, the first day was like all chapter day and we really learned a lot of uh, things about some of the chapters across the United States and how they you know, run their programs and and budget their money and and staff their um, you know social workers and just different strategies and approaches to providing the best care possible to our people with ALS. So that that was really very interesting and very informative. Mm -hmm. That's one of the good things about this conference, which happens every two years, right? Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and is that you guys get to share? It's not competitive. No, Obviously, no, you guys no. wanted to have the best presentation, and you had one of the top four, I'm sure. But um, you, it's more about collaborating and being able to go back, recharge, as Gail said. Did you guys feel recharged after this? Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. 
That's it's, good. It's just so... Even though you were in Dallas. <laughs> so. Well, Fort Worth. Dallas is... I know. We, we had to overlook the cowboy right. Yeah. part, but um, no, it does. You come away feeling really proud of what you do mm -hmm. and... And just that camaraderie of being with others who are doing the same, just, it is very recharging and you're yes. ready to, to get back and, and, you know, start using some new strategies that you learned while you're at the conference. So it really, it's a, it's a great experience. And it's definitely a unique experience from the clinical perspective because, you know, we, we are always going to continuing education things locally, but when you're to be in a workshop setting or room with all people that understand what you do working directly with ALS is, it's very empowering. Yes. That's good. I think that's something where, may, do you guys realize the potential, the, the reach you have? Because it's, sometimes it's hard to, because you're talking to people one-on-one -on -one right. or in those support group, resource groups or at clinic, and yet you guys are just at a webinar, right? You're doing this, and yeah. so you guys are becoming some minor mini celebrities. Right? <laughs> well, that might be a little far. <laughs> so November is National Caregivers Month, so we um, presented our, we kind of tweaked our presentation that we did at the clinical conference to present a national webinar on caregiving. Um, how to survive and stay sane. Right. So it was more directly for caregivers. And we did that um, through our national office, and that is going to be is available on the national website, ALSA.org, under webinars. Um, and we'll try and have that linked. If it's up by the time this podcast goes up, we'll have that great. linked with this. Okay. Um, and there's a lot of great resources, and the, the handouts are on the alsphiladelphia.org website and they're accessible now there's a whole handout with different um apps mindfulness apps to try and then even practical things that we recommend to try and save time you know for caregivers that really could even use a five minute break here and there using instacart or you know meal delivery services and things like that to Amazon, you know, that saves you a half hour of dealing with traffic, getting in and out, and finding someone to cover if you need someone home with your loved one. So simple ways to, to kind of simplify things. Which people don't realize. Right. right. I imagine there's a lot of stuff that I don't realize I could use mm -hmm. with an app. Mm -hmm. So you talked about the app. You talked about getting rest, mm -hmm. five-minute breaks here and there, mm -hmm. uh, making sure you're decompressing and caring for the caregiver something I know yeah. we've been talking about for years. Is there any other aspect of caregiving that you make sure to... Um, yeah, I think it's important to... Um, I, I, I spoke about this a lot. Is It's accepting help from others. It's I think when people are caring for their loved ones, they really want to do a great job and they want to be there 100% and, and, and attend to every need. But there's just... You can't do everything and you really do need help. Nobody is perfect and taking... This or getting gaining the understanding that it's okay to ask for help, it's okay to receive help, it's it's good to kind of delineate, delineate some tasks to other people so you can lighten the load on yourself. Getting connected with community services, getting connected with your chapter services for respite care, in-home care services, getting connected with a you know a resource group or support group through your chapter. These are things that we really tried to highlight and encourage um, people to consider and put into practice for themselves because at the end of the day it's all about taking care of yourself as a caregiver because if you don't do that you're not going to be able to do the job that you want to do for your loved one. Right. So we really tried to
put a lot of emphasis on that because that easily gets overlooked. I mean, I know with caring with for my own mom, it's easy just to get sucked into this black hole of I'll just do it, I'll just do it, it's easier, I'll do it, it's faster, and by the end of the day, you're completely depleted. Right? Oh, I know people on staff that are like that just about playing yeah. an event. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's true. It's, right. it's all walks of life, all different right. situations. Right, we all do that. Yeah. yeah. Learning to delegate and let go, like let go some control that, yeah. and let other people step in and help. And that's hard and for a lot of people. It's hard for all, most people, yeah. I think, in some way. I know so many people, that, not just with ALS, but myself, I have problems right. with that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My wife. My, even my kids, you know, and just people I know everywhere in all right. aspects of life. I mean, my two-year-old, he doesn't want you to put on his socks, mm-hmm. so <laughs> which is annoying. <laughs> so, um, and that, I imagine that the, I wrote down, not only are you telling a caregiver to separate their tasks as a way to decompress and have less stress, but that's how you make your clinic team better, right? Because mm-hmm. it's not, you don't go in like, well, Ann or Melissa's running the all of the treatments today, you have a whole team of like a dozen people, right, which right. puts a lot less pressure on any one. Right, exactly. Right. Divide and conquer. Right. Right. <laughs> and that's our job, right, to try and conquer ALS, mm-hmm. right? Right. Uh, so you guys would hopefully go again, right? Oh, we would love to. Would it was a great to. opportunity to be there, connect with people across the country. And also, several of our Jefferson Clinic team members were at the conference, so it was a great way for us to connect. I mean, we would come out of different workshops and say, we need to do that at our clinic. And, you know, it, it's a great way to brainstorm and come up with, you know, new approaches. Yeah. And just a lot, there's a, a lot of... Um, great information coming out the through the national office they have some new educational materials that are now accessible on the website on alsa.org or you can order them directly at portal portal p-o-r-t-a-l.alsa.org they have new um children's guides three different books directly um, related to talking with children, um, school age, 7 to 12-year-olds, and then another one for teens, and then another one for young adults. Um, so there's a lot, along with all the other um, manuals that we have that have been updated in the last year or so. So there's a That's lot great. of great resources that you can look at on the web if you prefer to do it that way and save a tree, or you can order them to get you know, print it and mailed out to you as well. And that's another really good thing that you guys were talking about and learning because I feel like there's a lot more being done about child caregivers and mm-hmm. youth in general. Mm-hmm. It's a hard topic to talk about and no one's really seemed like an expert until more recently there's more right. people addressing it. So it sounds like there's improvement happening across the board with how to talk about caregiving. Definitely. Yes, Definitely. It sounds like there's a re- good reason for you guys to come back and feel more hopeful about what you do. And, op- yes. not, and optimistic. So you can bring that hope and optimism to the people mm-hmm. you're caring for. Yeah. And just, I think, part of our role is, is letting our families know that, you know, we're here for, for them. Mm-hmm. You know, to, to as they go through this. All the way through, mm-hmm. in any way that we can. Yeah. That's good. Well, that's what we're here yeah. for. Um, and that's what you live part of the mission every day. It doesn't, mm-hmm. It's not something where you throw it in the bag on the way home. And then you don't think about it later in the day, but that's also part of your job is to stop thinking about it right. for a little bit so you're not feeling as stressed out. It's a fine line. It's a fine line. <laughs> um, I think that all of the, our listeners appreciate what everyone on our care team does. I know I do, just thank knowing you. people um, separately. Thank you. Uh, so thank you guys. Is there anything else you want to make sure we get on before we tell people where to go? 
I think that's so. good. I think we're good. Well, look for the webinar from Anne and Melissa and can, and on our links here on our social media and on our website. Um, on our, for our social media, follow us at ALS Philadelphia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube and LinkedIn. And, of course, if you um, want to donate, volunteer, um, get, advocate, get involved, um, Anne and Melissa are at Every Advocacy Day. Um, and yes. and everything else. Our care team doesn't just provide care. That would be amazing in itself. But you guys are at every event. Mm-hmm. Not every single event, but you guys are at the walks, at the other events, at the dinner. Caregiver's Day, Caregiver's Day. annual dinner right. coming annual up. Dinner's and of, coming, yeah. And, of course, you'll be there in uh, at D.C. or Harrisburg mm-hmm. or whatnot next year. So yeah. um, it's a whole team approach here. So visit ALSPhiladelphia.org. Uh, thank you, Anna Melissa, for taking time today to talk about the clinical conference. Thank you, thank Tony. You.